Good morning, everyone. My name's Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. And you might remember that I've actually been away for the past 10 days or so with Megan in West Asia, and we really missed all of you. It's great to be back. But I wanted to start this morning by reading a text that I received from Josie on our staff group chat, uh, which is very lively, uh, just with like some recommendations for the sermon this morning. So I'm going to read it. She said, challenge. If you could weave in Christ the King, all the gospel readings, parousia, Johnny Appleseed, especially the second verse, plus an update from your trip, that would be an ideal sermon. (laughs) To which Liz chimed in, yeah, and if you could keep it to under eight minutes, because it's really cold outside. So it's a tall order, but uh, I've received my charge, and it won't be under eight minutes, but it'll be close. Uh, And of course they were kidding, but this is actually the only Sunday of the year where a hodgepodge of stuff like that actually kind of makes sense. Because on Christ the King Sunday, we remember that Christ is the King of all things, that he made all things, and that he is remaking all things, and that he is holding together every single thing in the universe. And every year, our kids lead this service to remind us how children lead the way into Christ's kingdom. Last year, Josie and the children created this amazing timeline of all history. And it's actually still on our YouTube. So if you weren't here last year, you haven't seen it, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, But it starts at the creation of everything. It goes through all history and it ends at the new creation, at the reign of God, the kingdom of God. And Josie taught us this wonderful Greek word for that reign. And the word is parousia, parousia. This is the word that means the culmination of all history, just like Christ the King is the culmination of our whole church year. Parousia is this day that is coming when, as Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 say, Christ will be all and in all. And parousia is also the day that's coming, as Habakkuk 2 says, when the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. I love that phrase because how do the waters cover the seas? They are the seas. And parousia will be like that, where the glory of God will be the earth and the new creation will be the glory of God. It will be this earthy glory and this glorious earth. That's parousia. And the psalm appointed for today, which I must say was rather beautifully read by those redheaded children, whoever they belong to, it talks about parousia when it describes this king who is wearing clothes of glory, this king who makes the world and establishes his throne there. And no matter how high the floodwaters of human sin and evil and suffering and sorrow may rise, they will not ultimately overcome this world because the king has actually established his throne on the waters. He's reigning over those waves. It's this picture of a glorious earth where Christ the king is reigning. 
And in their own way, all of those gospel readings and those pictures we just saw and heard, all of them point toward parousia too. I'm really grateful for the wisdom of our children in choosing those readings today because those stories are not so much a picture of a glorious earth the way the psalm was, but of this really earthy glory. They're pictures of the incarnate Christ in the flesh, in the streets, in the grittiness of real life, showing what the reign of God and the kingdom of God actually look like and feel like. Luke 2 told us, don't be afraid. There's good news. There is great joy for all people, all people. A king is coming, but this king has earthy glory. This king will come in a human baby to a humble place and to poor parents wrapped up in rags. And then Mark 10 told us how the kingdom of God belongs to children. I think none of us have any doubt about that after seeing and hearing those readings. But the kingdom of God is for children and for people who are willing to be like children. And we see Jesus taking up children into his arms and blessing them. And Mark 2 showed us a king who forgives sin and who also heals the isolation and the pain of disease. And then John 10 showed us a shepherd who lovingly tends and gathers his flock, but whose flock also surprises us because it has these sheep that we don't even know about, sheep we didn't know were there. These aren't the same sort of glorious pictures of parousia that the psalm gave us. They're concerned with children and sick people and wandering sheep. They're glimpses of the earthy glory side of parousia. And they show us that that parousia that we're looking forward to is going to surprise us by who is there and what it looks and feels like, how it's going to be just shot through with this earthy glory. And even our children's song this fall, Johnny Appleseed, points to this sort of parousia. Listen again to the second verse. And every seed I sow will grow into a tree, and someday there will be apples there for everyone in the world to share. The Lord is good to me. Parousia is that someday when God will reap a harvest from what felt like tiny, insignificant seeds in our lives. When the shame and the grief of that ancient apple from the Garden of Eden, that first tree that we hear about in scripture, when that is finally undone and we will feast on apples and there will be enough for everyone and people will share. Well, I want to end with this, uh, with a story from my trip. And it's a story about trees, not apple trees, but olive trees. And it's a story about Christ the King and the surprising places that we find his reign. And mostly, it's a story about earthy glory. So while we were in West Asia, we met this woodworker. And he had a little wood... Uh, workshop behind his house and he invited us to the shop and because we were tourists we kind of expected the shop would be full of pieces for us to buy and so one day we went there and sure enough the shelves of the shop were full of these beautiful vases and bowls and platters and all sorts of things he had been making 
And then like good Western tourists, we asked, how much? But none of those things were for sale. He told us he wasn't making these pieces for money. He wasn't making them to sell them. He was making them because he loved the wood. He explained that he loved the trees in this town where we were. He loved particularly the branches of the trees that nobody wanted, the ones that had wood beetles that had bored little tunnels through them, or who had knots or gnarls or burned spots, any kind of disfigurement. Those were the pieces that he was really drawn to. And he would go around town where trees were being cut down everywhere to make space for new construction. And he would gather up the wood that nobody wanted and that everyone thought was worthless and ugly. And he told us that in his culture, frankly, people, even his wife, thought he was kind of crazy for doing this. And he got out because we were interested. He got out a bag of some of these branches that he was looking forward to working with. And he showed us all the rough patches, all these unusual pieces. And if any of you went to the Friendsgiving at my house while I was out of town and saw the nature shelves in my sunroom, then you might not be surprised that I was really excited by this bag of wood. I'm like kind of slightly into nature. And I got down in the sawdust and the dirt and touched the pieces and said, oh, wow, I loved them. And he explained that with wood like this, where it's full of quirks, you can't just mass produce stuff. You can't just put it on the lathe and turn out bowls and vases and all sorts of things. You can't go against the grain or the imperfections. You can't work quickly. Instead, he said, you have to work slowly. That he had to be so patient. He had to wait and see what shape the wood was willing to produce for him. And as he talked, you could just feel his love for the wood. You could feel the tenderness and the respect that he had for it. And everything about his work had this earthy glory. And then everything about the way he loved this wood was this picture of a glorious earth, a place I want to inhabit. And there's a lot more that I could say about this man, about uh, just the remarkable conversations that we had about wood and beauty and creativity, what it means to be loved and to love, stories we shared about Jesus. And we will have a trip debrief sometime next month and we'll share more about all of that. I think that in meeting him, we actually had an encounter with one of those sheep from another fold that the gospel reading talked about. Someone that Jesus was already at work calling long before we had come, and that Jesus will continue to be calling long after we leave. I think we also met someone who had the sort of childlikeness that made him able to see and receive the kingdom the way one of the other gospel readings talked about. Just a remarkable picture of the kinds of curious people that we see all through the Gospels interacting with Jesus. But for today, Christ the King Sunday, I won't share more about this particular man. I want to just say this, that Christ is the King of the earth and everything in it. Apple trees and olive trees, 
and each one of us and this West Asian woodworker. And I want to remind us that our king actually knows what it is to work with wood. He was born into the mess of this world in a wooden manger. He worked as a humble woodworker. And he took all the sin and the pain of humanity on himself when he died on the ugly wood of the cross. And in doing so, he pulled forth from that wood the most profound, beautiful, earthy glory that anyone could have imagined. And because our king made each one of us, because he loves each one of us, we are all like the gathered wood in his shop. We are all being formed patiently and gently under his hands. We are all being displayed like treasures on his shelves, and he loves his handiwork in each one of us. And this world is moving toward the full revelation of the glory of that carpenter king, toward parousia, where the curse of the first tree is finally reversed and the full glory of the last tree is finally revealed, and where the final beauty of each one of us, including all of our knots and gnarls and burned spots, is being revealed in this glorious new creation and where there are apples for everyone. So let me pray. Christ, we worship you as king and we long for your parousia. God, would you help us to see your kingdom in unexpected and humble and forgotten and unwanted people and places in things that seem worthless but are of high value to you. Would you help us sow seeds of your kingdom? Amen.